You're nobody. Nana, do you have something to say before we? No, I was just gonna tell her to do little videos. Like oh, okay, little, little mini, like like a gotcha. little thirty seconds here. Get my good seconds. side. Like if it gets good and you see the discussion, okay? Yeah. And pictures and stuff like that. As you out the dough. <laughs> Edit it. Make my hair look good. <laughs> Welcome back, you guys. This is our first official episode with our first uh, guest is our revamp. Uh, my name is Crystal Kalina, just another nobody. And then you guys know the other nobody. You guys are quite familiar with Lou, but the biggest nobody of all, Christopher Martinez, ladies and gentlemen. And since we have three nobodies, we decided to bring one somebody. And her name is Julissa. She is a... Uh, interesting story. I guess I don't even know the story just yet, but uh, started off as a five and diner waitress, and now she's like extremely known in the. I don't. I don't know if I'm gonna say it properly, but the realtor community, especially in the Hispanic community. So we're here, and she's gonna she's gonna tell us a little bit about that. If you guys want to follow her on Instagram, it's gonna be at J U L I S A R E A L T O R. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome Julissa. Thank you for having me. You're taking it way back to the five and ten yeah, days. I, like, <laughs> well, I just wanted to get the build up. You yeah, know, yeah. Said, I don't hear it there. It's she goes, I don't know the full story, but uh, well, she went to Creighton. <laughs> oh, well, that might have been too loud there. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just want to, you know, I don't want to get straight to the juiciness. Also, it was boss, but anyway. <laughs> I, I went to both, actually. I told you. Good? She I went did. to both, she said. I sure oh. did. I wasn't incorrect. Thanks. <laughs> I was still my aunt, too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, Chris, because I know Chris and Lewis were extremely excited about having Julie. So here, if you guys are burning up with some bomb questions, let Julie. Yeah, let's get the conversation started, guys. Well, I wanted to um, touch on the uh, you started the podcast by saying uh she, way back back the uh, way back back that's well, what we'll call the, it the way back back in the realty back. community um but specifically in the hispanic community so i wanted to touch touch on that to start um because you actually didn't you just take a trip to washington recently yeah i i go annually so so i am the reason why i'm in touch with the uh, hispanic community obviously is because i, I want to help them i'm hispanic myself so i'm very invested in um you know our our community um being able to um accumulate wealth and take their their family to the next level so um real estate as a lot of you know and for maybe for some of the podcast listeners maybe they don't know but real estate is the number two way to build wealth in america in my opinion, it should be the number one way because there's less risks than the stock market. But, um, you know, a lot of our Latino community just don't know. Like, they, you, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. And if, if you were never exposed to, um, you know, building credit and, you know, credit, what credit really does for you in the United States, um, like allowing you to purchase a home and build equity and really elevate your, your um, finances. Um, that's why I got involved with um, an organization called NARUP. It stands for the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. I really believe in their mission. Um, their mission is to 
increase sustainable Hispanic homeownership. Sustainable is the key word because we don't just want to help people buy a house. We want to help people buy a house and sustain homeownership because it's it's only across time that you really build that equity and that you could really, you know, uh, take your family from just their um, their wages to you know a, a different income level, a, a, a completely different, um, a completely different um, income bracket. You know what I'm saying? So, and I know you know a little bit about it, Chris. Nobody number three, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Nobody um, number one, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, because you've been through the journey yourself recently, but it's a beautiful thing, you know. And when you get to sit down with a Latino uh, family, you talk to them about, you know, the importance the importance of purchasing a home, not just as a roof over their head, but what it's really going to do for their family. Like the possibilities are endless, and when they get that, when you connect with them at that level like it just becomes such so much more than just handing over keys it's it's such an experience i feel like every client that i that i um i help um buy a house they become family that's awesome um how did you you said narp mm-hmm. how did narp sorry sorry narp um how did you even come get involved with that? Yeah, how did you get involved so with that? So I am I'm also an insurance agent. So I'm a real estate agent, but I'm also an insurance agent. I'm actually an insurance broker. So I have my broker's license in insurance and I own my own brokerage, True Haven Insurance. And I started that, you know, three years back. But prior to that, I had been an insurance agent for three years with Liberty Mutual. I was one of their top agents here in the Valley. And as I was as I, you know, was building up my book, I started going out in the community and networking and meeting a lot of top real estate professionals and getting involved with different organizations. And I came across NARUP, you know, and when I came across NARUP, there wasn't even a chapter in Arizona. There was chapters in every other 50, every other state, you know, 49 states, but not in Arizona. And so um, a group of leaders um, came together and they were like, hey, you want to volunteer? You want to help us put this together? And I was like, yeah, that was six years ago. And, you know, now we're one of the fastest growing chapters in the nation. Um, And I've had the opportunity to serve as a volunteer. And then now I've had two years on the board. And um, yeah, so that's kind of how it happened. Did you meet them here in Arizona, or were you? In I met them here. Yeah, they were they were part of my network, um, you know, activities, and I met them. And we, you know, I think part of the reason why or what has helped me transcend from insurance to real estate, and to be able to you, you know to um, to serve the community in that way, um, is because a lot of the relationships that I have, they become like I said, family. I know it sounds like a cliche, but it's really not. It's how I do business. I don't consider, you know, an interaction with someone, a transaction. I consider, I I do something called relationship selling. So I'm, I'm establishing a relationship with these individuals so that it transcends the transaction. So, you know, a year later when it's been a year that they got their home or a year later when the renewal comes up in insurance, they feel like they can call me or shoot me an email and say, hey, Lisa, so this this is what I have going on in my life. What do you think? Do you think I have the right products? And there's that um, level of familiarity and trust, trust established with me, where they feel really comfortable to continue, you know, u- utilizing me for all of their needs when it comes to insurance and and real estate. And that's that's really what's made it happen. And I use the same relationship um, tactics with with my business to business relationships. 
think Louis, you'll know a little bit about that because you're in sales yourself and you know how important it is to establish, you know, valuable relationships with your partners Absolutely. because your partners are your clients, right? So when I was just doing insurance, real estate agents were my clients, right? I wanted to help them and I wanted to help their their clients get their homeowners insurance done the right way. And so clients, the insurance agents, I'm sorry, the real estate agents were also my clients, not just the families that I was serving, but also also them. And so we just, you know, we got an opportunity to work together and they got to know me on a professional and personal level. And that's it, we, we built wonderful relationships. They invited me to volunteer. I, I volunteered and then I, they invited me to be on the board and that's kind of how it all came together. But it, it definitely is like, you know, it didn't happen overnight. It might seem that way, you know, from the outside, but it definitely didn't happen overnight. I mean, I have over 17 years of sales experience. You know, I went from a waitress, right? She took it way, way, way back. But it, but if like you- Like 18 or right, something. Right, I was, I was 18. I was like, no, I was 19. I was 19 when I was um, serving at, at Five and Diner. And that was really cool. And I was making big bucks. You know, you know a little bit about that. Sure. A little bit about serving. You know, especially those night, the, the, the weekends when everybody, hitting the clubs and then they're looking for that you know the, Five and diners the waffles and, yeah, the, and the pancakes two three o'clock in the morning after you've been partying with your crew you land there and then you give those fat tips so yeah i definitely <laughs> did that and i definitely enjoyed that and it was a, a great experience i actually met my first husband there so there you go <laughs> so there you go lots of good memories yeah Thank shout you, out to five and diner <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, but so then, you know, as I got, as I grew older, got married, had children, you know, I needed to, you know, make more money. So I went into the customer service um, industries and um, I worked my way up from a customer service agent all the way to a general manager and a marketing manager. And that took me about 10 years. So, I mean, there's definitely, you know, a lot that a lot of experience that I gained from multiple career choices that kind of just built up to to what I'm doing now and I can honestly say I I love what I do both insurance and um, real estate they're very rewarding um, insurance is a little boring you know it's not that exciting people you know they're like oh, insurance but you know what I feel very passionately about it because um, especially life insurance because it's life-changing you guys know um, you know our story our family story you know you know back in 2003 when my father passed you know, my mother didn't have life insurance on my dad. So what happened is it was very difficult for our family to come into the the finances that we needed to get to come to to be able to pay for the burial and the funeral and all of that, right? So our, luckily my pa- my dad was a community leader in his own right, you know, involved with the marriage encounter for over 28 years, volunteering in the church. I might get a little emotional talking yeah, about this, yeah. you know. Still. You know, no matter how many years go by, it's it's always it's always hard, right? But but he was a celebrity in his own right and within their own community, right? In the church, and they came together and they helped you know my mom and they helped us and they they came through, you know, and they made it happen. But I remember thinking then, like you know, I was young, I was you know almost twenty years old, and I was fairly young. I knew nothing about insurance. I knew nothing about you know being an adult and responsibilities. But when I had the opportunity to learn about insurance and I made the crossover from general management and marketing um, into insurance, 
and then I really learned insurance and I really understood it, I realized um, that it is such an asset. It is also a wealth builder. If you if you purchase the you know the insurance the right insurance product for your family, it's also a wealth builder and it's it's a family protector because during that time I remember you know me and my siblings having to go you know to the funeral home trying to shop for the best prices. I mean that is the last thing that you want to be doing when you're when you're trying to mourn your 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 father right it was tough so i told myself nope i need to figure out a way because i don't want my kids to be going through that you know i want them to have a plan i want to have a plan that i'm leaving from before i pass so so it's not like this for them but you know um anyway my point is that insurance is so much more even even auto insurance even home insurance there's people that don't insure their their homes properly and then you know something tragic happens and they end up you know not getting the right insurance payout and they're in trouble how are they going to finish building the house or you know car insurance if you don't have the right insurance you know you can end up owing you know the debt to the bank and carless and then you still have to try to get another vehicle so there's just so many ways liability insurance business insurance there's so many ways that insurance is it's it's a product that protects you and it, it's a wise investment and i think that if real estate i mean if insurance agents if you have the right insurance agent they're really explaining the product to you you're going to see the value and you're not going to think that you're paying for just something that's nonsensical i mean it's there's value so in in everything that i do i look to be able to provide service to my clients that will help them transcend their current economic situation because i've been there i'm an i'm a child of an immigrant and i know what it's like to work paycheck to paycheck i know what it's how hard it is to try to raise eight children and, and provide for them and give them an opportunity and if you leverage these things if you leverage you know uh, the fact that you can purchase a home here and build, you know, equity in your home and, 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 and be able to provide, you know, maybe some money for your child to go to college, give them that opportunity, or maybe you, you can buy them their first car. Maybe you can help them with their first down payment on their first house. Like, there's so many things that you can do with, with that piggy bank that's called a home, right? Because if you, don't, if you don't become a homeowner and you're just a renter and you don't understand the economics of it, you know, you're, you're building up the piggy bank for somebody else you're building wealth for somebody else you know and i one of the clients that i'm currently working with um you know lovely family uh you know rent rented for 15 years they rented a home for 15 years you know we did the math you know almost 180 thousand dollars in rent money right that that they're not getting back right and with the with the way the market is right now, and with whatever they, if that was their home and they would have paid it down, they probably would have already finished, close to finished paying the property, and they could refinance, stay in it, or maybe you know sell it and cash out and, and go into your next house, your dream home, right? And um, you know that's that's the thing. You're, if you're not an owner, then you're a renter, and if you're not an owner, then you're making money for somebody else. That's that's plain and simple. And I always tell my clients and friends and family, just look for the way to transcend from being an employee to being an owner, because that is when you truly can tap into your financial potential. Yeah. And it seemed like, um, I'm sorry, I'm going to take it back a little bit. Did you want to? Okay. So I just want to go back to the insurance thing. It just seemed like the like the natural next step because, yeah. I mean, full disclosure, I bought a house with you. Right. Right. And it was very helpful that you knew all the insurance because... Um, of course, full disclosure again, you're, you're my aunt and you right. love me, so <laughs> I, mean, I hope you still do, but, 
um, it was really easy to do all the shopping and, and the insurance and making sure we were covered because you weren't and it, I don't think it was just my exception that, you know, I'm your nephew. Right. But you seem to be really caring about, I don't want you to spend your money on something else. Even if you don't use me, I'm going to show you. You made sure that my insurance covered me right. and took care and, of me. And that's, and that's the name of the game, you know. I'm, I'm in it for the long run with, with clients. I, if I don't get your business right now, it's okay. I mean, you renew every single year. Your rates are going to change. Yeah, well, your rates are going to change every year. So maybe right now I wasn't the most competitive, uh, but I gave him my honest uh, feedback and advice, and I looked over, you know, the other quotes that he got from other companies, and I wanted to make sure he was getting the right coverage, not just the cheaper coverage, but yeah. the right coverage at a better rate. And I told him, hey, you know, you have my blessing to to take on a better rate with the, with the right coverage. Because, again, you know you're my forever well we're related but yeah. but even if we weren't you know this is exactly how I handle myself with any client you know whether there's relation or not um, it, that's the relationship building right that they could feel that confidence to bring me another someone else's product and I'll guide them through and I'll give them my expertise and I'll advise them honestly so they can make the right choice the the right choice that's gonna protect their family but also gonna protect their budget right because you don't need to be overpaying for anything and you don't need to have you know I'm, I'm totally against that so for me it's like if I can help you now that's great and if I can it's okay at some point maybe you'll end up, you know, using my services again, you know, again, you know, it's, it's healthy when it comes to insurance, it's healthy to shop your rate every two years. So maybe we didn't catch you this time, but maybe we'll catch you and maybe we'll be more competitive, you know, when your renewal comes I, up. I love that mindset. Such a yeah. lost mindset in business. Um, it is. And it, it's like she said, it, it all goes back to that trust. Um, let's say you, you weren't her nephew, you were just a regular client and she showed you the rates of a different client and told you yeah that's probably the best one well now you trust her exactly when you go back to renewing you're probably going to be willing to pay the premium for her it's 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 the whole if your friend refers a mechanic then that mechanic's a little more expensive well your friend referred them they did a good job you trust them you're going to go there it ends up paying itself in the long and people people have it out for the quick buck so often yeah. in business where they they take you for what they can at first and then well then they don't have any residual clients or they don't have that client networking, and that's such a such a lost art in business. Well, I'll tell you, analytically, this is how uh, you should look at it. If you are in a sales position, which I know, Louis, you're in sales, so when it comes to uh, an interaction with a client, that client can potentially, statistically, can potentially, potentially yield you 13 referrals. Yes. So if you have one bad interaction with that client, He's gone, and those 13 referral potential are gone as well. And maybe you didn't get his his business, but because you provided, you know, excellent customer service, and you know he knows he has that trust that you're going to give them the best advice, whether you serve the product or not, um, you, whether you get the business or not. You know, they're willing to send you more business and more referrals because there's that trust, that element yeah, that of trust. And they felt like, you know what, she's she was so honest. She gave me the the advice, even though I, excuse me, I didn't even end up with her, but she gave me the advice. She gave me the advice, and it was legit, and I felt comfortable with her. Like you said, sometimes they may be even willing to pay ten dollars more a month just because they feel comfortable knowing hey if something ever happens she's my agent i can call her she's gonna fight for me and that's 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 also important clients need to know that you're gonna you have their back and you're gonna fight for them yeah, yeah. and i can firsthand say you did I, there's it's yeah. it is stressful buying a house 
it can be, be really stressful. And I will tell you, you did. Um, you were lucky, fortunate enough that it was right before the wave oh, hit. I know. Yes, um, I know. it was right so before. We were talking about it hard. Yeah, yeah, you literally, literally got like weeks. I think. Yes, if that. literally, just maybe just a couple of weeks before the wave hit. So I, you know, that was fortunate. That was fortunate. We got the second offer we put in, which is really great. It's really great stats, you know, but right now it's, it's, it's more challenging because of supply and demand. Right. And I know you, yeah. And I know you have a lot of questions for me, so, you know, I don't want to go on and, 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 you know, say a whole long uh, spiel here, but I I mean, I'll wait for you to, what are your questions to prompt me on some (laughs) of it, but I guess we could lead with that one. Cause I have like, in my experience, it was frustrating but it was a normal frustrating and julie really kept it pretty straight and level with me so i, I like that a lot i got frustrated more with everyone else and just <laughs> all right chill like <laughs> whatever but um now i'm seeing you know my friends try to buy houses you know other family members people i know are trying to everyone wants to know, own right i mean like you said it's a way to build wealth so everyone yeah. you know am i I'm a little older now and at my age you're like Oh, why am I renting? But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm seeing them go through this struggle, and it's way crazier than what I went through. And I just, I guess, like that's kind of a question I have. What do you, what do you think is attributing all that? Because it's like, booming. I, I myself couldn't imagine buying yeah. a house right now. Yeah. And I bought a house two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's booming. Well, for the current homeowner, it's a beautiful thing. Because right, right. It, because if you, even you have equity in your house right now, because from when we when we signed the, the, the closing of escrow, which was only just a few months ago, the homes in your neighborhood have increased significantly. I mean, I just showed one, of, one today. I just showed one today. It has um, less square footage than yours has, and it's at 270. Right. And we know what you purchased for. So so it's like, um, wow, really? Oh, OK. You know, homes in in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Metro Phoenix, uh, Maribel, which is, uh, you know, normally a low income community. Homes in Maribel are spiking at two hundred and eighty thousand dollars, which is insane. Right. Yeah. I mean, people are like, wow, really? For Maribel, yeah. like from for Maribel. that area? <laughs> um, no it's a lot. Yeah, no, but- well, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> Probably about a year and a half ago, those same homes were going for about 185. Yeah. Wow. So almost a hundred thousand dollars more, right? I mean, this is an anomaly. This is not what's normal. Uh, you know, this isn't always going to be. Um, you know, it normally takes about six, seven years to build a hundred k in equity yeah. on a property. Right now, for the lucky few that purchased a couple of years ago, they're there. Or they're very close to a hundred thousand in, in equity, you know, and it's just uh, the current situation. Um, you know what I'll what I'll say to you is a lot of people ask the first question that they ask is, are we in a bubble? The answer is no, we are not in a bubble because, you know, what happened in two thousand eight can be attributed to two factors. The first factor. Well, wait, excuse, I don't mean. To, what, what do you mean by a bubble? I don't understand. A bubble is like where with what's going on right where now. Where it's a seller's market. A seller's market. Uh, you know, there's high demand. There's not enough. Uh, you know, listings and there's too many buyers, um, and it's a seller's market. Sellers, you know can overlist their property and some people some desperate buyers will go out there and pay you know above and beyond well what it's worth and and when it spikes up like that in the past um it could create a little bit of a bubble um and normally what that means is that at some point it's going to stop it's going to stall and there could be a dip 
and a lot of people are waiting for that dip because they oh it's because because it's or, happened in the past yeah and so you think you know there's signs of a potential bubble it looks like a you know if it feels like a bubble and it looks like a bubble then it's a but bubble there's been signs for a bubble for five years right i've been waiting for that dip <laughs> right for so, long. so what i'll say to you is no we are not in a bubble and the 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 reasons why i know we're not in a bubble is because we have a healthy economy as a state we are in a healthy economy pandemic hit there's there's some job loss but for the most part arizonans are doing well and numbers will tell you that we're doing well um you know year over year um last year there was uh you know or this year this september i did a market update and we're at about 604 uh, 6004 6400 listings Okay, 6,400 listings. That sounds like a lot, but it is absolutely not a lot. It is absolutely not enough. There's so many buyers out there. So we're 40% below the listings that we were in 2019. 40%, that means almost 50% of the inventory is just not there, right? It's just not there. Now, you also couple that with the fact that we're the number one city in growth across the United States. Who's moving in? People from Florida, people from New York, people from California, they're selling their homes there because it's not just the, the cost of living there, but the taxes that they're paying on their properties. So they're selling, they're dumping, and they're moving to Arizona. Right? California is so, trying to pass a bill where they can continue to tax you on property you've sold yeah, for five that. years. Because really? they're losing. Just because they're losing so many residents. But it's not just California. It's, it's also Florida. It's also New York. And, you know, multiple states are, you know, losing a lot of residents and they're coming to Arizona. So that in itself is going to um, create a supply and demand problem. Also, back in 2003, uh, or yeah, 2003, there was the permits uh, that were pulled for new builds, for new construction, for these are the brand new homes that you can build from the ground up. There was almost 7,000 permits pulled. Right now, fast forward to today, there's only 3,000 permits pulled in, in 2020. And it's not because we don't want to build. We want to build because we have a lot of buyers that want houses. Problem is there's a labor shortage and there's a lumber shortage. So they can't build houses fast enough. So what it's doing is it's forcing, because it's creating supply and demand, it's creating a, a rise in, in pricing. It's, it's an opportunity for homeowners to come out and say, okay, well, I'll list my house. Yeah, like, I really I love it and I like it, but I have so much equity. I don't want to miss it. Might as well it. cash like, out. I don't want to miss I it. I might as well cash Actually, out, right? I've, I've ran into, well, I fix appliances, so I go into a lot of different people's homes. And recently I've walked into a few homes where they're selling. Right. And I actually have a personal friend that is selling. And right. everyone's told me the same thing. I didn't want to sell my house, but I wanted to take advantage of this situation. Right. And I mean, Wait, I have a quick question to that. Yeah. So, like, what is your advice to the person who's like that? I have a hundred k in equity. Like, I need to. I want to sell now. Right. Do you like, in all honesty? Yeah. Are you like with what's going on and what what you know? Are you like sell? Or are you like? Eh? No, I would say I would say have a plan because um, and I'll give you an example. I just met. I've been working with a client for three weeks. She really wants to sell because she bought. She actually bought in twenty eighteen. So she hasn't owned. She bought. She bought at the late at the later half of twenty eighteen. So she hasn't owned very long, very long. But she has eighty thousand dollars in equity. Right. She's in Maribel and she's like, you know what, Lisa, I really want to get out of this neighborhood. I want to go into, uh, you know, Avondale or Tolleson. I want to, you know, move up to the nicer neighborhoods. And I told her, listen, you really have to consider this. I, I want to I'll sell your house all day, every day. Right. Yeah. As I you know, I'll help you. 
right? But I want you to understand, yes, you have $80,000 worth of equity here. But even if we sell this house at 240, 250, which is right around her price range. So even if we sell it at 250, with what you qualify and with the cash that you're carrying over, you're priced out of the market. There are no houses in Tolleson and Avondale for 250. There is just nothing out there. So if you sell this house, you're buying in the same neighborhood. Yeah, that's what that's like, my you're thing. You're going to end up buying was... in the same neighborhood. So really think about it. Like, is that really what you want to do? Um, that's not everybody's case. But in her situation, it was because she only has about $80,000 worth of equity. Now, there's people that have been in their homes for multiple years that are sitting on two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars of equity that that um, have an average income of seventy seven thousand dollars because that's our average income in this state. I will have you know, I mean, because a lot of people think, well, the average income is 50. No, it's not. It has increased in Arizona. The average income is seventy seven and sixty five percent of Arizonans can purchase because 65% are making that money. So you can purchase at about 325, which is our, our medium home price right now, which that jumped up in the last you know uh, 12 months, it jumped up because it used to be 250. Yeah. So now houses you know, that were 250 and affordable, they're just not there. Wow. They're, they're climbing up to the 300s and, and above 300. So if you're gonna sell, you need to make sure that you're getting enough cash out of the house and that you, your income level, your qualification of availability, your purchase power yeah. is going to be significant enough to buy you that next level home. So yeah, it's, it's a consultation. Like I'll sit with them and I'll look at, you know, comps and I'll look at what their house is worth and we'll look at their personal uh, purchase power and you know, what their plan is. Like, where are you trying to go from here? You know, some people are saying, hey, we're gonna sell and we're gonna go rent for a year. If that makes sense for them, right? I'm totally against renting yeah. because I think, um, you know, even if you go to a little, uh, here's, here's just so you could have an idea, you know, uh, manufactured homes right now are selling at 130, 140, 150, 180, 200, 225. Manufactured homes. Manufactured homes. These are not regular single family homes. These are manufactured homes that are sitting in a lot that you still have to pay a lot for a fee for. So if those homes are going for that price, then yes, our homes are, because our home, uh, our home, our market, our home values, they drive everything else. They are going to increase your rent. They are going to increase what a mobile home is worth. They're going to increase what a condo is worth. You know, they're going to increase everything. Yeah. You know, um, uh, you know why I've, I've helped a couple of people get into condos. You know, they've been in the condo for a little bit over a year. Their condo's gone up thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in value, right? I mean, that's significant for one year. That's pretty significant, right? So, I mean, if you're comfortable in your home and you want to stay in your home, my but you want access to that equity, then I would say refinance. Talk to your lending professional and look at where you're at and what your possibilities are, and maybe cash out, you know, and stay in your home because you're. It's not like it's just once going to build up that equity. Like you know, you, there's people that have owned their homes for 20, 30 years that have refinanced their homes like five times, and they've cashed out equity. They use that equity to purchase investment properties, um, to create more cash flow, um, to help their their kids uh, purchase properties. But they're comfortable in that home. So, you know, there are other options. There are other ways to access um, that equity without having to sell your home. But, I mean, it just depends. It dep depends on your plan. But I always like to talk to them because guess what happens? If I sit down with this client, like, like this client that I was giving you an example, let's say 
I don't have this conversation with her. I'm just an eager agent. I just want my commission check and I'm gonna go list her house and I'm gonna get 20 offers in 24 hours and I'm gonna sell it. I'm gonna give her, I'm gonna get her maximum cash on her house, right? But then what? Then where is she going to go? Because I'm her real estate agent and I've gotta help her find another property with, with what she qualifies for and with the money that she cashed out. If I know where, her, where she wants to purchase, even in that area, if I'm if I'm selling her house for two fifty, <laughs> like you know, your your she purchased it for one sixty five, in twenty eighteen she purchased it for one sixty five, and I'm selling her house for two fifty or two sixty two fifty five. Let's say I get two fifty five for it, she's cashing out whatever equity she has. She has to roll that over to another property to be able to purchase. And what what homes are going for two fifty? The ones in Maribel, right? So I had to be really realistic with her and say to her, listen. In 2018, 250 would buy you a house in Avondale and Tolleson. Yeah. In 2020, it's not. it's not going to buy you a house in Avondale and Tolleson. So if, if that's where you want to go, then we need to create a plan for you. Maybe stay here a little bit longer, maybe refinance, access some of that equity, um, maybe purchase a second um, investor, uh, an investment opportunity, maybe create some cash flow. Um, opportunities with you know utilizing the equity that you have because there's so much you could do you could access that equity and we can talk and we can look at some investment properties or you could purchase a second property and rent it out and create some cash flow for you so you're not missing out on the opportunity of owning a second home it's just really having a plan and and yeah. and, and having that relationship with your real estate agent that is really knowledgeable is really in tune with what's happening with the market is giving you the best advice because again there's a lot of real estate agents um, that are hungry for the paycheck they're hungry for the commission and they don't really care <laughs> you know well, what how, happens how, how does that work though like how you're saying they're hungry they just want the money i actually I've never purchased a home, so I was extremely unaware about the process of you selling their home and then also having to help them buy a new one. Is right. that normal process? Is that just your process? Well, like if I'm helping them and they're happy with my service, then most likely they're going to use me to purchase. And sometimes you can negotiate that Would, with like, them. Would the scumbag guy just let me sell this home, get her out of my hair, and move on? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, we I live. Mean, in I know, because in my case, like it's it's yeah, it's easy to to as much as we all love I mean, being genuine and trying to help. But the then person, he loses the thirteen referrals. It can referrals. also be easy to sit there and be like, oh, I'm just gonna help this person sell their money so I can get my commission check. Right. So I was just trying. So to what like, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you, Crystal, you bring a really valid point. What I'll tell you is, um, obviously, I don't pretend to know every real estate agent out there, and I don't pr pretend to know everybody's moral character, um, but um. But you know as much as I know that there are some questionable folk out there that don't have integrity, um, that don't do things ethically, that are cutting corners, and that are not really worried about their client. They're worried about their paycheck, right? Yeah. So when you run into somebody like that and, you know, it's let's say it's a – let's go back to our, our, our people, right? It's a Hispanic. They, they barely speak English. They don't really understand the process. They're trusting this guy or this girl to help them make the best decisions, right? And if they don't have their best interest in, in mind, they're gonna tell them, yeah, you know, you got 80 grand in equity, like let's sell it, whatever. And oh, let's not disclose all this fine print. And at the end of the day, she ends up with like maybe 50, you know, net. And then, and then what is she gonna do with, with her 50 net when she only qualifies because, you know, she's- Same qualification. She's the only person working yeah. in her household, right? So if she's the only person working in her household and she, she makes um, minimum wage, 
she's only qualified for about 150. Yeah. What is she going to buy with 150 in pre-approval plus 50K? It's only 200,000. She can't even buy a house like what she had for 200,000, yeah. right? So that is, that is like, that's the thing. That's the thing is you really got to break down the numbers with your client and advise them. And in my, you know, my heart of hearts, like I could never do that to that client because I see myself in her. She's a single mom. She's got kids. She's got a family. Where is she going to go? You know, she's going to sell the house and she's going to end up with a little bit of equity and she's not going to be able to buy a home that's equal to what she had. Yeah. Then what's the, then what, then what is really the point? Yeah. And then she might end up going to rent. And then what did she do with that equity? Like, was it life changing for her? Was it transcending? No. So I needed to sit down with her and really, you know, guide her through the process. And the, the thing that I like about me too is what the lenders that I work with, because you do get to choose the people that you partner up with. The lenders that I choose and the lenders that I work with are all, you know, top notch. They're highly rated and um, they have the same moral. We're, uh, we align. For me, if I'm going to work with somebody and they don't have the same values that I have the same value system, it's a big problem. Because if I, if I, if I see a red flag and I think, you know, this person's probably not going to do the right thing for my client, then that's not somebody that I want to work with. Real quick before you get so obviously before you met I'm probably gonna say it wrong again Narb uh-huh. Narb was there you don't have to say obviously I don't want you to say their name but was there lenders that you had worked with prior that you were like eh, like what was it yeah like, there's like, a no, little bit of everything this is what differentiates what who I want to work with and who I don't yeah before and after and I continue to meet people because there's all kinds of people in the world and everybody's different. And I'm very selective of the people that I partner up with. I mean, I interview them as much as they well, interview me. Well, I guess my question is, have you, have you had, like, a yes. bad experience where yeah. you're like, no, I'm done, I can't, yeah. this is not what I want I haven't had a bad of. experience in, 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 in a moment with a client. There was, maybe I can reference maybe one experience where we were already kind of searching for the home and there had been some corners cut with the application so at the end of the day they weren't quite as solid with what they qualified for so that jeopardized you know what we could do for the client but we quickly realized it and you know i had a discussion with the client and we fired the lender like that's what we did we made a decision as a team and we fired the lender and we moved their file to another lender and you know we purchased a home so now and sometimes you know people can come off you know, very pretty on paper, on resume, but it isn't until you really go in through the interactions with them, you see them working that you could really catch, you know, how they work, how they operate, how they, you know, how they make the decisions, whether they're cutting corners or there's any, you know, um, red flags that you see as a professional. But what I will tell you, Crystal, is I think that that the people that practice that way, they quickly burn out because it it, yeah. it catches up to them and it spiral they spiral out and then they exit they exit you know the lending world or they'll exit you know the real yeah. estate world because we we are all licensed professionals and we um you know our files um are audited and you know there are things that we that we're checked on that you know we can get docked on and we can lose our licenses yeah. so if you're smart you're not going to want to be risking your license for a quick buck you know I mean, there's some people that still do it, right? But again, you just have to be really careful with, you know, who you're you're going to for such an important process, such an imper- important purchase. Because for some people, this is the biggest purchase that they'll ever make in their entire life, right? Yeah. There's a house. Like, this is the most, this is the high ticket item that they'll ever 
bye uh, you know so yeah you want to go to somebody trustworthy and somebody that I, I the other thing that i would say is somebody that speaks your language because um there's so many people out there from you know uh multiple countries it, here in arizona especially there's so many people i mean that speak spanish but not just spanish i mean vietnamese or you know from from different parts of the world that are here and there's so many real estate agents there's so much uh, cultural diversity that you don't have to settle for someone that doesn't speak your language yeah. right not everybody is uh, an anglo 50 year old man <laughs> right now there's latina agents that speak spanish that can walk you through the process or asian american you know agents that that can walk you through the through the process in your native language so that is another thing that I would always recommend is look because if you look you're going to find a qualified individual that can speak your language Arizona is so diverse that you will find someone that can speak the language and really help you but to it but speaking to the client I would just always say to them you know edit edit and and audit your interactions with your professionals because yeah. you get to choose you're the boss you're in the driver's seat I always tell my clients well you're the boss you're in the driver's seat you tell me what you want to do you know I'm gonna give you my advice right it's professional advice it's, it's based on on facts and the market and you know it's, it's coming from a place that is informed so that you can make the decision that's right for you your family in your pocket yeah. but you know you're you're the dry you're in the driver's seat I can't make any decisions for you if you run into it a real estate agent that's trying to make decisions for you and trying to put deals together and just saying I got this trust me you don't want to deal with that guy because he should be letting you make the decision on what the correct offer is to make on a property. He's a, he should be sitting with you and letting you know what the comps are on the property, what the houses are selling for. What do you think? It's an informed decision between you and your real estate professional. And I think Chris can kind of talk to that because we had a lot of that when we were getting ready to make offers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously we went through the kind of the appraisal process where you kind of do check the market on the area we're looking for and you definitely gave us a lot of advice and even on houses that were way just just ridiculously listed you're like no we we shouldn't even i wouldn't even offer what they're asking just ignore that price and this is what we should do and that's i mean and it was good it was it was a good process um, no, I was going to piggyback of, off of what you were saying, but I feel like I don't know if Lewis was going to want to ask anything in particular. No, no. no? Okay, Not cool. anything in particular. No, no, continue. It's because you got like, you you excited me with what you were saying, and I was going <laughs> to. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so like what you were saying, how, oh, just ignore that price. So I have a friend, um, she's in the process of buying a home. And I was like, oh, cool, cool, like whatever. And she's like, yeah, it's that for, I think, 290 is what it was listed at she's like so we put in an offer for 320 i again i've never purchased a home so when i heard her say that my immediate thought was well why, why would you go that far up is that like I think, not to bash sorry. on realtors or anything but like go ahead go ahead if you were gonna say well something. i don't I, julie obviously is the expert but i think in this market and from my experience with my friends here and all this, yeah. right now it's very competitive. Right. And you, you almost have to put offers out like that to be competitive. Yeah. So what, what you want to be careful with, because at the end of the day, like this is what I tell my clients, you can offer them, you know, $20,000 over. But if the home is not going to appraise it, yeah. then it's fake money. And, 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 the, and if they have a smart listing agent, they know it's fake money because the bank will not let you borrow more than the home appraises for. Now, you know, first-time home buyers generally don't have an extra 
$20,000, right, to put over what the bank is going to finance for them. But if it's a second time home buyer or a seasoned time home buyer or a Californian or a New Yorker yeah. or a New Yorker, you know, that's coming into town that sold their home for $700,000 in New York or $700,000 in California, they have the extra 20000 They have you know, an extra 50000 And if they really want the house, like if they absolutely love the house and they're like, you know what, I'm tired of submitting offers and losing them over five or 10 or $15,000. We have the cash. We love this home. Let's do it. We'll put 20 over appraisal value. And that is a strategy that people with, you know, the cash flow can do to you, you know, to kind of like push other offers out. So, you know, I'm assuming that she probably had a similar discussion with her agent. The agent ran at uh, comps and obviously knows the kind of loans that they have and what they qualify for. And he probably structured it that way to give them that competitive advantage and give them their best chance. Because what we want to do is give our clients the very best chance to, you know, to lock down this property if they really like it. But if it's a first time home buyer or even an Arizona that is trying to move up to the second um, property, they might not have all that extra cash. Or if it's someone that doesn't qualify for too much to begin with, like the example that I gave you, she needs all the money that's coming out of that one house rolled into the second house. So you always gotta be really careful that, that they're not pricing themselves out of out of the market, right? So I have another, uh, Um, young couple that I'm working with and um, we had a discussion today she says Julissa you know we're discussing we don't know if we should wait you know in your professional opinion do you think we should wait until um, 2021 like the tail end of 2021 like they are like do we get a six-month lease or do we get a 12-month lease because they have a couple of things that they need to do with their credit to get them where they need to be so they'll be able to purchase in February right so right now we're at a 50 year low so in 50 years we have never seen the interest rates this low everyone is qualifying even if you have even if you have you know opportunities with your credit like if it's not the most perfect credit but you're like at a six i don't know between a 650 and a a, you know 685 690 if you're there you're still locking in a three percent interest rate which is phenomenal you know in 2018 people were locking in six percent rates so it's like less than half it's slashed in half and what does that mean it's more purchasing power because the lower the interest rate the lower your payment so you are actually qualified for more of a, of a home you're purchasing a higher a home so i said to her listen right now interest rates are at the lo- at the lowest that they've ever been we're looking at the fed we're reading the articles we're staying informed at a national and, and local level and we feel comfortable predicting that these rates will sustain and remain through the first quarter of the year which is which aligns with her purchase date with her ready date right beyond those six months i could not guarantee you that that rate is not going to go up and beyond those six uh months i can't guarantee you that you're not going to be priced out of the market completely because she's qualifying at a 280 right now she can purchase 
I hope she could purchase in six months, but I don't know if she could purchase in 12 months. So I said to her, I could give you, you know, based on, 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 you know, everything that I, that I look at every single day to be able to advise my clients, I can give you the most informed decision, but I think that you're taking a risk. If you are waiting for a crash, if you are waiting for a dip, it is not going to happen. There is going to be maybe, I, I, my personal prediction, uh, based on everything that I look at, I'm thinking that first quarter of 2021, we're going to see maybe a sti- uh, like it's going to stabilize, like it might stabilize. There might be a slight, slight, ever so slight dip, but I'll tell you what, it's gonna be so slight that it's not going to matter because it's it even, even if you if you purchase now a little bit higher, but your interest rate is so low, your payment is still going to be way lower than if you than if a property dipped fifteen thousand dollars, but the interest rate went up, you're still going to end up paying a higher payment on that lower home than you than than you would if you bought it now yeah. with the lower interest. So when you understand that then the wait for the dip is kind of nonsensical. And especially because I'll tell you right now, it's important for people to understand the reason why there was a crash in in 2008, and that's an obsolete, that's like a, you know, something that happened in outer space and it happened once in a thousand years. It's an obsolete situation and, and it was created, it was created by the lending industry industry themselves because they were they were they were so relaxed with there were so many remember what i told you back in the day how many permits there was to build homes yeah. right and our population in Fe- and our population in phoenix was basic we were not growing the way that we're growing right now right so they were overbuilding 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 properties so then what happened is there wasn't enough buyers yeah. it was a buyer's market so what did they do is they they um they made some tweaks on the guidelines they made it more easy for people to qualify i mean there were some loans then that were not even verifying your income so if you said that you made two hundred thousand dollars a year they weren't checking your w-2s to make sure that you made two hundred thousand dollars a year and they were locking you into something that's called a variable rate which is not a 30-year fix like what we're doing now they were so what it is is it's like it's got an escalation clause so every year it changes how much interest rate, how much interest they, they charge you, and they could just change that. And it was, it was making these these payments balloon on people that lied on their application, yeah. that didn't make you know one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, but really made fifty thousand dollars a year. So they, what happened is they couldn't make that payment anymore, so they left the house. That's why there was a wave of foreclosures. That's why the market crashed. That is not happening right now. Our what happened? since then is the government passed laws that make it airtight to qualify for a home i mean christopher you know yeah i was gonna say i feel like it, that was year was kind of a game changer because even right now when i was signing my loan application my loan everything they were like oh well since 2008 since and i heard it a couple of times and it's like okay yeah it's now like, we have to hey, do it this way we really messed up yeah you know we really messed up and screwed the economy so we really learned our lesson and we're you know the federal government is really looking at every single thing and i mean they they ask you for pay stubs like i don't know how many times during during the process at the the very last week they're asking you for pay stubs right now because pandemic a lot of people are losing their jobs in the middle of qualification before they would ask you for the pay stubs in the beginning of the process now they're asking you at multiple checkpoints and at the end because 
because they want to make sure that you are still employed, right? Because they don't want the same situation. They don't want somebody buying a home that they can't qualify for that is later going to go into foreclosure and is going to create an issue, right? Because that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. So that's number one. You know, there's federal guidelines now. It is airtight to qualify for a loan. So there is none of that. There is none of the, you know, bad, you know, loan processes that are going to create a crash. There's none of that. The second thing is we're the highest, you know, growing state in the country. Population-wise, year over year, we're growing almost 10% in population. Where are all those people staying? Is You know, if you drive from, you know, from Maricopa to Bacay, you know, back in the day, there was fields and fields and fields and fields in between the cities. Well, right now, there isn't fields and fields and fields in between the cities because all of that has become, you know, prime real estate, right? And so many builders have built and so many people have purchased homes. So uh, there's that. And then, so there's too many buyers, not enough sellers, not enough new builds that creates that supply and demand problem, right? That's like, that's like a result of what's happening, of how fast we're growing. So um, just just the facts alone support that that's not going to happen yeah. in Arizona. Plus, our economy is not shaky the way that it was as a state back in 2008. Yeah. You know, and so you know when you look at all that, and if it continues to trend this way, then we can we can continue to expect that our home prices are going to continue to rise. I mean, I've said this to my clients time and time again. We are the new California. Yeah. You know, homes in my backyard in Litchfield that sold for 200,000 are a half a million dollars now. In my, if five minutes away from where I live. You know, my home was purchased for 160 six years ago. It's worth 280 right now. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's just where we're, we're, people will be priced out of the market. Yeah. It's that simple. Well, if, even, if, go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. no, I was just going to say, like, uh, one of my best friends, you guys know, I won't say names, but like, her. It kind of does have something to do with not really. I don't know. Um, her, her her house. We looked it up, and it was almost nine hundred thousand, and it was purchased at like. I can't believe what she got. Ooh, that's a beautiful. That's yeah. a huge, huge, huge But it also was in, in yeah, yeah. a bad I need mean, of a remodel. And that's what Arcadia area, and it just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding. Right. So before. You know, when, when we were, when, when I was growing up and when yeah. y'all were growing up, you know, um, Arcadia homes were half a million dollar homes. Well, now they're a million dollar homes. Yeah. Right? Twice. Well, she, that's what Twice I'm saying. Like, much. it's the border of Arcadia would yeah. be considered. It's I think it's nine. technically Camelback East, but Arcadia has kind of just bled into. Yeah, yeah. Adjacent. yeah. Well, I mean, Litchfield is, is, uh, is. Is expensive, you know. Litchfield is one of the one of the more uh, pricier uh, cities, or North Peoria, or Paradise Valley. Like, there's multiple little pockets that are expensive. Yeah. But my point is that they're those homes used to be three hundred thousand dollars. They used to be affordable, right? For for you know people making above fifty thousand dollars a year. Well, right now they're just simply not. They're half a million dollar homes now. So think of what a home down central is going to cost now. Yeah, no, it's it's a multi million dollar home now. Because that's the, that historic little pocket of homes that are they were built in 1910 yeah. or 1905, you know, two three little bedroom homes. I mean, those homes are going to get to ridiculous levels. I so, think there's actually like super random, but there's like uh, Todd and I went for a bike ride uh, last year. There's uh, some sort of congressman lived there. I'm not sure who it was, but I think it's one of the most expensive homes in Arizona, yeah, in yeah. downtown Phoenix. And you're like, I what? I didn't know that. I was like, wait, why? Look, at, and he's like, it's historic. 
Yeah. I was like, oh, I guess. No, and you're like, and you, you know, you watch uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines, yeah. uh, you know, flipping homes in Texas, oh, yeah. in Waco, uh, and you see the same house, and it's like uh, $80,000 over there yeah. because it's, you know, it's it's Waco, it's rural, it's, it's you know, it's yeah. a different place. My kids are like, Mom, let's let's move to Texas. That's what I always say. I'm we'll, like, pl- oh, we'll play some Chip football and, and call Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? Yeah, that's what I always say. I'm like, because of them, I want to live in Waco. Right? No, me too. I love their show. I absolutely love their show, even since before. I was in real estate but I hope this was helpful guys I hope that I was able to answer some questions and you guys feel a little bit more knowledgeable about the process and you as a new homeowner feel a little bit more confident about you know what the market's doing uh, you know and, and where you're you know you're headed in the future with your your home values um, and yeah if, if anyone wants to buy a house you can reach Julie um, you can always of course email us and we can put you in contact or you can reach her if you want to give out. Yeah, uh, my number is 602-570-8527. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. You can find me as Julissa Thomason um, or Julissa Real Estate. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I think Crystal had um, had mentioned my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, but also, I mean, you can you can honestly any way you can get a hold of me through these guys, and I'd be happy to help you buy, sell, or invest. You know, because that's the second fastest way to double up your your capital and and i want to say something really quick um you don't need a lot of money to invest like you could literally flip a property with 10 grand so if you want to get in the flipping game please call me please reach out i will help you maximize your money um yeah but real quick before you go just like like she was saying you guys um don't ever live with that regret of not knowing where your potential can take you I know I I just want I'm going to repeat it because it's truly like a lot of people just don't even know where their own potential can take them. But single mom, three kids, an immigrant husband. I mean, she was the primary immigrant parents, immigrant parents, primary income. I mean, it is possible, you guys. It may have taken her a few years but a few years is it could at the end of the day as she's saying right now it's gonna be worth it so if you have that dream whatever it is that you want to do if you want whether it's real estate insurance anything like we're literally this is not a celebrity who's on a movie this is like a this is a real life celebrity this is a real life real person who i mean it's incredible just sitting here listening and talk to her she's she's related to us so it's like i know it's it's inspiring for you guys but it's a lot more inspiring for us it's it's wild like we see her and it's it's crazy like don't ever let the regret of not knowing where your potential can take you guys um or your circumstances yeah. I'll, I'll piggyback on that crystal and thank you so much because i'm flattered to hear you say that you know that you're proud of me that's awesome guys <laughs> that's so awesome you know because you guys are my family and i and I believe in your potential, and I think you guys are amazing, and you guys are fire, and I can't wait what you guys do because you're so early on in your lives, and you're so talented. You have so much natural talent. Um, all three of you do, and I think, like, the sky's the limit for you guys, and you guys could do so much too. So I can't wait to see what you're going to be doing with your lives and, you know, where you're headed, where your journey is going to take you because you guys could do so much. I really totally believe that you're going to be a director, and I – and. And I honestly, I, I feel like, like, it's wait, it's there, like it's waiting for you. You just have to take the steps. Yeah. And I can't wait to watch a movie and see the credits. Yeah, 
No, thank you. I really, I really do appreciate it. Stop making it about me. It's about you right now. No, truly, truly. Um, real quick before you, we guys, before we go. Sorry, I'm a nobody. Just a reminder. Thanks again. The biggest thank you from all three of us. It's awesome. You're our first guest with the revamp with our new um, host here, Louis. And then quick shout out to our sound because we wouldn't be here without a badass sound producer director jess hey, hey. Her what's up jess yes is on instagram at j-e-s-s dot c-a-r-r-a-s-c-o but thank you so so much julisa for coming on and truly inspiring us and hopefully she inspires everybody you're thank welcome you. and thank, thank you, you for having me and thank you for putting this platform together again is just you know a testament to what you could do and what you could do and your gifts and what you're you doing giving back to the community and and you know creating this platform to be able to share these kind of stories it's pretty cool yeah, thank you definitely awesome. thank you right. yeah and if you guys get a hold guys. of julie for a house or anything let her know that nobody sent you yeah <laughs> Uh, you guys can All right, find guys. us at the Willetta Effect at gmail.com. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank All you. Right. Thank you, guys.